Wake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Some of the ways that they were as well in both boldness. 
days. This isn't just a history book. This isn't just about something that used to be. This is something that is now. This is about God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who is on the inside of us. And so, let's go into some of this here. And, you know, one thing I mentioned last time as we were going through chapter 1 and chapter 2 is in chapter 2, it speaks of, Jesus speaks of waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. He tells them what to do to go to Jerusalem, to wait there. He said, not long from now, something's going to happen. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to do some things. Now, he'd already, Jesus, you remember, Jesus gave us some instruction about the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, before he died, before he rose again. Remember some of the things he said, right? found in John 14 and John 16. I love those chapters. And in those two chapters, Jesus explains, the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be better for you to go away. When he does, he's going to come. He's going to comfort people. He's going to reveal truth. He's going to bring things to your mind that you've forgotten. When you need to remember them. He's going to convict of sin. He's going to do all of this. He's going to share these things. Now Jesus again is saying to them, Here's something else the Holy Spirit's going to do. He doesn't tell them everything about the Holy Spirit. It's like he reveals things a little at a time. But here he says, when you wait in tongues, something that is going to happen is that you will, Acts 2 verse 8, you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth, of the world. Now that word power, you know, we get the English word power from several different words. In the Greek, there are many different words that get translated into English power. Now, one of the Greek words is dunamis, which is the, the case here. Another one is exousia. Zeusia, I'm not a Greek scholar. But that one really is a little bit different than the dunamis one. The dunamis means like this inherent force that does supernatural things for you. That's the power, that's dunamis. This inherent force, because the Spirit of God, moves through you doing supernatural things. And that's the, what Jesus is saying is going to happen. Of Jesus earlier with the disciples, these same guys, back in Luke 9 and 10, through 9 through 11, this one sent out the 70, first down the 12, and sent out the 70. And he said to them then that I'm giving you power, but it was exousia then, which meant delegated authority. I'm giving you authority. I'm delegating, I'm deputizing you. I'm going to start on your test. You can go do some stuff. You can travel over the powers of the enemy. You can heal people. So we, we although that word is still power. That was in our Bible, it says power there. Some of your translations may say authority. But it is sometimes translated power as well. But this kind that Jesus is speaking of is this dunamis. This is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. I'm giving you authority to travel on the enemy. All the power of the enemy, but I'm also giving you the Spirit of God who will empower you with this dunamis, this supernatural ability to do things that you can't do on your own. And that one is 
And he says, that will happen when you go and you receive the Spirit of God himself. Not just for a moment, but he's going to live on the inside. That's the other thing he just said. When he comes, it's going to be different. It's not going to be, you know, remember when, um, since the Spirit came upon King Saul. Remember that? What did he back? What happened to him when that happened? He began prophesying. And it also says that he was changed into another man. When the Spirit of God touches a person, that for King Saul way back before the Holy Spirit came for everybody, he came upon King Saul for a moment, and it changed him into another man. That's what the Scripture says. He began to prophesy. That didn't last for very long in that case for Saul. This is completely different. That was what the Holy Spirit looking inside of Saul. This is the Holy Spirit moving on the inside of all of the believers, all of the followers of Jesus, all of the bride of Christ, all those who were born again and would receive Him. He would come and move onto the inside of us with power to be witnesses, power to do things that we cannot do inherently, just of our own flesh, of ourselves. And when this happened in the other room, not the other room, the upper room, in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit came, it wasn't just for the twelve apostles either. They added one by then. So they had twelve again. But it was for everybody who was there, 120 people. Only about 10% were apostles. It was for the normal person that the Holy Spirit came upon Filled, baptized, so Jesus said, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he'll live on the inside of you. He's going to soak you, and then he's going to live on the inside of you. And he's going to give you power to do things that you couldn't do by yourself. And he's going to also comfort you. He's going to be with you always. He's going to reveal Jesus. He's going to convict of sin. He's going to do a lot of things that we're, we're not alone. We're not orphaned in any way. And of course, that happened. And then chapter 3 takes off from what had just happened in the upper room. So 3,000 people get saved as a result of the Holy Spirit coming. And then the next scene we have, I don't know how much longer it's been since the Holy Spirit came in that upper room upon them. But here we go in chapter 3. We're going to read several verses here. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. Of course, as I mentioned last week, the hours of the day start sunrise at basically 6 a.m., so this is 3 p.m. The ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been laying from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. That's some really good friends. Can you imagine carrying this guy who was never walked before every single day to the temple so we could beg him and go and get him, pick him back up, carrying him home? That's some great people. When he saw Peter and John about to go to the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. 
suffering from that. So, I think it probably would be rare for him to experience interaction with people when they went by. People saying, look at us, or talk to us. That probably wasn't happening. He was just asking for money, hoping he'd get a coin. But this time, they engaged him. They looked him in the eyes. They asked him to, asked him to look at them. And Peter said, I, I don't possess silver and gold, the very thing you're asking for right now. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, you raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. Now, you know, I was thinking of one of the things that Jesus said to the disciples when he sent them out to about you and the seventy. One of the things he said to them after he deputized them and told them what they could do, he said something else. He said, freely, this is Matthew 10, freely you have received. Freely give away. So what I have given to you, you give it away. What I have filled you with, you give that away. And I have a suspicion that maybe that, those words may have come into their minds as they were walking to the temple that day, this guy starts asking for something. Because they gave away what they had been given. What they had been given. You know, if you feel your eye, if we don't feel or know or sense or believe that we are full of the Holy Spirit, there won't be much to give away. Is that true? Really, when we think about someone out there, when we leave here today and we're out and about doing what we do, and you see someone in need, and the thought comes, do I pray for them, or do I, uh, do I approach them, do I say something to them, what do I do, there will typically be this feel of you've got nothing to give. And what if God does nothing if I step out? Anybody in here ever had that experience? And so oftentimes you might not. Because you're unsure of what you're filled with. You're not quite certain. And I have felt that many times. But these guys on this day, as they walked up to this guy, they were certain that they had something to do. See, I don't have gold or silver. Here is what I do have, though. We had just come from the upper room. The Spirit of God had just fallen upon them. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazareth, walk. And they gave away healing right there. They gave it away. I have, in my life, I have certain memories of stories of me in my life where I have felt full of the Spirit of God. And I remember walking into uh, a Starbucks one day with this mindset, I am full of the Spirit of God, and I wonder what he might do today. And as I walked in, the person behind the register looked at me and said, what is going on with you? They somehow saw immediately on my face that there was something different, something was going on. 
I remember being in an airport, similar, feeling so full of the Spirit, and a man walked up to me that I've never seen in my life and started confessing his sin to me. It was an odd, really odd experience. It was because I lay over. So we're going from one flight to the next, and this guy just started to walk up to me and he started telling me all the sins. And it was an amazing opportunity to step right in there and to pray for him. Uh, and have a great conversation with him about the Lord. I knew on those days that I was full. And you and I can know that we are full of the Spirit. Because we can be full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about this a lot. And we can stay full and get refilled as much as we need, where there's this confidence inside of us that He is in me. And He said, Freely I can receive, freely I can give away. Okay. By the way, just to know I'm into that, in Matthew 25, we're really terrible that Jesus shared in 10 versions, right? Five. Had their lamps empty. Five of them had their lamps full of oil. Oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. It's a metaphor relating to the Holy Spirit. Five were full and five were not. Five were ready when Jesus came or the bridegroom came. Five were not. They weren't full. They were they were unprepared. And part, I believe, of what Jesus wants every one of us to be is to be full of His Spirit. He's given to us. He waited thousands of years to send him. Thousands of years to send him. And he wants to stay full of his own spirit. It's often the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the Spirit of Jesus in the scriptures. You see that as well. It speaks of the Spirit of Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Same thing. Same person. He wants to fill us. Okay. As they grab this guy who's never walked before, that's interesting to me how he does it as well. He grasps him, here's what it says, seizing him by the right hand. That sounds aggressive to me. <laughs> seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. He was not healed just sitting there. And that is Now, it's not like a formula that's being created here, but there is a motion that has faith with it that is important. I've noticed that in my life as well. I found that the Holy Spirit is a moving person. <laughs> Remember the very first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis? What does he do? He's already moving over the chaos, looking for something to change, to set in order. And he still is moving. The moving Holy Spirit comes in like a train. Right in the book of Acts. Sound like a wind, the wind is moving. You know, the wind isn't still, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a wind, it's still. Right? He's a moving being. And there is something about faith. When we move in faith, God moves in us. Something about that. And it's still powerless of these guys are doing at this moment. They're just going to pray. Something catches their attention, a man in need, compassion. And then they know when they seize him, raise him up, 
with a leap. Verse 8, he stood upright and began to walk. Now, that's amazing to me, too. I mean, I've, I've you know, watched five little boys try to walk. When they were little babies, of course, you know, when you're a baby, I'm not this, I don't understand these things, but your head is 25% the size of your body, so you've got this big weight on top. And so, you know, walking with those tiny little legs and that big melon is not an easiest thing. Fortunately, he's an adult when he gets to learn how to walk, in this case for him, and his head's the right size for his body. It's a little bit easier, but God also gives him the ability to walk, leap, and begin praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking notice of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Everybody who'd been to the temple had seen this guy. They're walking by him daily or weekly or monthly. They're walking by him. Verse 11. This guy just knew. While he was clinging to Peter and John, I bet. Even been laying for 40 years, these guys just release power in your body and you were healed. You were you're hanging around them. Wow, what are they about? He is close to them. They're clinging to Peter and John. And all the people ran together to them, the so-called portable of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Well, why do you gaze at us as if by our own power doing us? For piety we had made him walk. What is us? There's great humility here with Peter. And though I, I love that Peter is, I mean, the Holy Spirit comes down the room, he begins preaching. Here we are again. He takes action with this guy. He gets healed, and now he's taking this opportunity to preach, to share. He's fully aware of his ability apart from God. Remember, he denied Jesus not that long before us. Three times. He was very aware of his own weakness, and he knew this was a God thing. This is God working through me. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. The one whom you delivered in this home in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man. Who you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brother, verse 17, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God has asked beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return. So that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and return. And your sins will be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
And if you remember the day you got saved, you repented, and there was a refreshing in your spirit like you never had before. The presence of the Lord, the blood of Jesus, washes our sin, and there is nothing like that. Refreshing. There's nothing like when I repent and ask the Lord to forgive me the refreshing that I feel on the inside. He's offering that to everyone. With that refreshing comes the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Verse 20 is, He may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, who heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets for ancient time. In return. Verse 22, Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, to whom you shall give feed to everything He says to you. It will be that every soul that does not feed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets have spoken. Samuel and his successive honor also announced these days, It is you who are the sons of the prophets. He's reminded them of who they are. It's you who are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first... God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. He just preaches. I mean, this is not the Peter that we've been reading about for the previous several months. He has changed into another man. Holy Spirit is moving upon him with a boldness in words and articulation. And a fearlessness, although he had some fearlessness before, it's like it got amped up. Chapter 4. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed. Oh boy. Greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They've got issues with this. They've always had issues with Jesus. You know why, right? Because they're jealous. And they're envious. They want to not lose the attention that they have as being recognized as these big leaders. They don't want to lose that attention. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed. And the number of the men came to be about Thousands. We got 3,000 a few days or whatever earlier. Might have been the day before. And now we've got another 5,000 people who believe as he's speaking these words. Verse 5 And on the next day, after they stayed the night in jail, I can't imagine what jail would be like back then or in countries that don't care about uh, the human rights very much. I can't even imagine. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. So all the bigwigs come together. And Annas, the high priest, was there. Caiaphas, remember him. And John and Alexander, all were of high priestly descent. Now, realize these are the guys who put Jesus to death less than two months previous. These are the guys who, when, they, when Jesus died, on the day that he died, the veil was ripped in two from top to bottom, an earthquake. 
they saw all of that. They knew that they had done wrong in every way, yet they still, their hearts are hard like stone. And here they are again with another chance, with another opportunity to recognize who Jesus is and what he's doing still. When they had placed them in the center, Peter and John, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? This nasty thing, this evil. Can't believe you would do that. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, hello, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, here he is again. This is third sermon so far. Rulers and elders of the people. If we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let me know to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead a few weeks ago, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders. But which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Wow. I mean, he is just going right to the center of their whole belief system and what they've done in putting, identifying the blame that was squarely placed upon them for killing Jesus. And he says, he's agreeing with what Jesus said in John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one trusts the Father but through me. He's basically saying the same thing. There's no other name. There's no other person. There's no other way to be saved. There's one way. That's through Jesus. Verse 13, now as they observe the confidence of Peter and John. There's another big one. As they observe the confidence of Peter and John. There is another indicator that the Holy Spirit is at work. You and I, as well, we should have a great confidence. A great confidence. That's part of what the Holy Spirit gives you and I, is confidence. It's part of his fingerprint that we know this is the Spirit of God in us. Because there's a confidence in what we're saying, what we believe, not pride, not arrogance, not highness, and confidence is completely different. They observed it. And they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained. They were amazed. They began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Ah, there's no reason for their confidence. They've been with Jesus. Jesus has rubbed off on them. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. You know what? You can argue and argue and fight, but when someone who's been laying for 40 years is standing on his feet right in front of you, there's not a lot to say. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confirm with one another, saying, What shall we do with this? But the fact that a noteworthy miracle is taking place in them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. And I'm thinking, cannot deny it? Why would you want to deny it? Come on! Wake up, there's something. 
have to be able to know, is this God or is this not? If it's God, I'm not going to change the way that I am thinking or doing things. They were unwilling to do that. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in his name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Which makes not a bit of sense to say to himself. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, the rest of the people, those followers, those who were filled with the Spirit, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Now that is a quote from Psalms, chapter 2, 1 through 3. They're perfectly applied. The fulfillment of the prophecy of David, however many hundreds of years, about a thousand years before, this is fulfilled in this moment. And they recognize it and they proclaim it. For truly, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Verse 29, And now, the Lord, take note of their threats, so they go from proclaiming and confirming the prophecy to asking and praying to the Lord. Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They prayed, and the place began to shake. Started again. And they were, what? All filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, had they just been filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. A few weeks earlier, they had all been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, here we go again. Another filling of the Holy Spirit. A refilling of the Holy Spirit. That reminds me of Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul said, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How often could a person get drunk? A lot. How often could a person get filled with the Spirit? A lot. As much as we want to be filled with Him, we can be. Sometimes He just does it, and sometimes we can request, we can ask, we can receive. We can open up and allow Him to fill us. 
Verse 32, the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Extraordinary thing happens as the Holy Spirit fills these people in this moment. They have it in their own minds and heart. God didn't tell them they had to do this. But they decide, I'm just, I just want to give away what I have. I want to share with my brothers and sisters that which I have. And there's this sharing that's going on. Taking care of one another. It's remarkable, beautiful thing. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. How about that? For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. I might say here, just a, uh, maybe just a note from Matt, that this appears like socialism. And it is. But it is kingdom socialism, which if a person is not filled with God and they try to do socialism, it turns into hell. But here, where the Holy Spirit is at work, in filling people, in leading them, something wonderful is going on. It's like a piece of heaven rather than the opposite. But when man tries to do something, they don't judge rightly, and things are not done rightly, and it turns into a really horrible thing. We've seen that over and over and over through human history. This is the exception. When the Spirit of God is involved, and people are giving from a place of love and what God is putting on the inside of them. Verse 36. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas, so Barnabas is other name, the real name is Joseph, by the apostles was translated to be son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it to apostles' feet. That's the end of chapter 4 here. One of the things that honestly stands out to me so much in this passage is what happens to Peter. And you know how he is changed into a completely different person. And we see that in short order, it happens. And I believe, when I think of some of you and my life, as I allow the Holy Spirit in me, he has changed me another person. My wife and I look at each other often. And especially with some videos and pictures of us from 25 years ago or 30, and it's like cringing. Because we are not those people anymore. Do you ever do that? When you think back to who you were and what you thought like and how you lived, and it's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for changing me into another man. The man you wanted me to be from what I was. He does that in us as we allow him, as we respond to his convictions, as we respond to his leading, he changes us, changes our heart, changes the way we behave, changes our words. Sometimes he changes the way we look. Because he is the change agent on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit. I'd like to end this today. 
Spirit in our lives and us having that confidence in who He is in us means we can be participants and really partners with God in the earth when we leave this place and when we're here as we give away what we've been given. As we look for in our history, daily life, allowing God to grab our attention when there is need, when there's something to say or to preach or to share or to give healing away or to give a word of encouragement out of us. There's this confidence that God wants all of His kids to have, who He has purchased, that wherever we go and all that we do, that we are led by Him, that we're sensitive to His Spirit on the inside, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Right? Those who are led by Him. Those who are sensitive to Him. It's not just us. This is completely different than any other religion. By a lot. This isn't just some sort of person that's venerated. This is God Himself moving from the inside of us, used to be the Ark of the Covenant, where His presence was, and we are now the Ark. He's moved on the inside of us, and He wants to partner with us to do the things that we're reading about. Things like that, supposed to be different in different ways, because God's unique. And you don't do the same thing the same way. Twice, it just, it just it's fresh, it's new. But he wants us to have this confidence like these disciples have. Because he lives in him. And being filled with him. And staying full of him. I wasn't just filled once. I've been filled many times, and I want to stay full of him. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, it's a whole lot easier to not be filled with other things, too. Right? We stay full of him, it's like no room for the death. I want to stay full of him. So if you are open to this today and you want just a refreshing and I believe that the Lord wants to do that for us. So this is all close your eyes if you want to. Open up your spirit. You have the ability to be open in spirit or close. But we look to Jesus and we open up our spirit. We just open up the door right there. We open up the doors of our spirit man, our soul, to you, God. And Jesus said that you want to give us the Holy Spirit as much as we need. And you gave him in abundance. And we need you, Holy Spirit. We need an infilling and a refill. We need a refreshing. And Lord, anything that is in us that we need to repent of, you're so good at convicting us, we just take a quick moment here to do that to you, to apologize, to repent of bad thoughts, bad behavior, anything that he doesn't like, that he's uncomfortable with. We return, we return from that thing and say, Lord, forgive me. And may your reflection come down the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord. And we ask you right now as we open up the gates to our heart, mind, soul, body, Holy Spirit, come fill us again. We watch you.
Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.